0: Hello and welcome to Z Humara Show, a podcast dedicated to sharing the beauty of Africa with you and with the rest of the world. My name is Humura Ruth and I host this podcast channel. Now like I have been doing for the past, I believe, two or three episodes I will be doing today, I am going to take you to another tourist destination in Africa. This time I am bringing you home to Uganda specifically to the Windy Impenetrable Forest National Park. Now, this is a UNESCO World Heritage Site that was declared in 1994 and a treasure to both Uganda and Africa and, I believe, the rest of the world. It is a national park that you will be able to find in the southwestern part of the country, which is incidentally, incidentally, or which is where I actually come from. And that is the part on the edge of the Rift Valley. So the park in itself covers about 32,000 hectares and it includes the Bwindi impenetrable forest. So I will be talking about both the park and the forest in itself. I also have to apologize. Once in a while you'll be able to hear some sounds because I am recording from... Um, a remote place and I am in Uganda as well and there are lots of birds I once mentioned this I've mentioned this several times that Uganda is home to about 11% of the bird population in the world we have over 500 bird species so there's a lot of birds everywhere so I think you just had one anyway now Bwindi impenetrable forest the forest not the park is an old growth forest, or as some would say, a virgin forest. So that's a pretty, pretty old forest that has not been tampered with. So it has been around for about 25,000 years. It's pretty, pretty ancient. The name Buindi originates from that Runyachitara language, which in particular, the word mwindi means a place of darkness. And that is because of how dense the f- that forest treetops are. So it becomes a little bit dark on the inside. It's a high altitude forest as well. And it is home to 400 plant species and about 459 mountain gorillas. So in essence, the park is home to almost half of the world's population of mountain gorillas. Aside from mountain gorillas, you'll be able to find... Um, uh, the colobus monkeys, you find chimpanzees, you find baboons, you find African forest elephants, which are slightly different from the African elephants. The African elephants are the second largest land animal. They're very big. They could wear I think about six tons. Whereas the African elephant forest elephants, sorry, are relatively much, much smaller. And their tusks um they point a bit downwards as opposed to the other elephants. Anyway, you also find antelopes. There's also about 346 bird species. I cannot talk enough about birds in Africa. Um, there's also bird species that are endemic to the Albertine rift. So if you're ever interested in that aspect of science, that's a pretty good place to start. And there's also more than 200 butterfly species there. That's quite interesting. And to top it all off, there are 324 tree species. So That's also something, I think, if you love nature, if you love studying that sort of thing, it would be quite interesting for you. And according to UNESCO, the park in itself, not just the forest, the park is believed to have the highest number of tree species for its altitude in East Africa. So I think that's another reason why it's a treasure. Now, I believe you might recognize windy, impenetrable national park with mountain gorillas because they're uh, an endangered uh, animal species in the world. And you can only find them in the rainforests of Uganda, Rwanda, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. I beg your pardon. So they live in the mountains. You'll be able to find them in the mountains in those three countries, but not every mountain. So um, uh, you can find them in the Wind Impenetrable Forest National Park in Uganda. Then you'll find them also in the volcanic Virunga mountain range that stretches across the volcanic, the Volcanoes National Park in Rwanda, the Magahinga Gorilla National Park in Uganda, and the Virunga National Park in the Democratic Republic of Congo. The good news is it's a dormant volcanic mountain, so do not be worried about that. Now, so if Bwindi in Uganda has about 459, 460, Mountain gorillas, Magahinga has more than 100 gorillas. It makes sense as to why Uganda is believed to have uh, almost half of the mountain gorilla population in the world because there are about 1,063 mountain gorillas left. So Uganda has about half of the population, but you can be able to see uh, the others in Rwanda. You can also see, I'm not sure if you can see them in Congo, but you definitely should be able to see them in congo i've not yet done my research on virunga national park but we should be able to cover that soon as well but interestingly for me is the prices that vary in different countries but we'll get into that later on because some places have them you know being able to check gorillas is really much more pricier for example in rwanda compared to uganda but we'll get into that later let's talk about weather Although Uganda is in the tropics, wind is more often than not very cold, especially in the mornings and the nights. So you should be prepared for that. But it's not... Okay, it is cold. Let me say it as it is. It is very... It's cold. For us, it is very cold. But of course, people who have stayed in, you know, very much, much more colder countries may not see as that being so very cold. But it is cold. So the coldest months you'd want to mark on your calendar are june and july and that's cold for the forest and uh, the i believe the main annual temperatures there range from seven degrees Celsius to about 20 degrees celsius i don't know why sometimes you pronounce the word celsius as salacious. i am sorry but seven degrees celsius to 20 degrees celsius yes and then it also receives a good amount of rainfall as does uganda but the forest in particular has about two receives about 2390 millimeters of rain of rain per year, I believe. And the rains usually come from March to May. You have short rains, and then the heavy rains are usually September to November. So maybe you'd want to do months in between or March and May, whatever your preference is it is up to you but the good news is that the rain in the forest is not like heavy downpour that you would see in different parts of uh let me say uganda rwanda or congo it's usually just drizzles that that take such a long time all right let's take a short break when we return i'll take you through a little bit more about the gorillas (laughs) Okay, now I'm going to take you through the gorillas. First things first, if I sound a little bit off, please bear with me. I just got a terrible malaria and I haven't had malaria in such a long time. So I felt very beaten down, but I am recovering. Thank God. Like I always said, I always use this on my podcast and say, if, if you're going through anything, take it to the Lord in prayer, the Lord Jehovah in prayer. I'm not a Jehovah's witness. I am a born again Christian. But you know you take things to the Lord in prayer. I have been praying to the Lord saying Lord Jesus take this thing from me and I am recovering and I'm grateful for that. That is my testimony. So I hope I am, um, I sound normal and um, I don't uh, stutter a lot or whatever it is. But let's get into the gorillas. This is exciting for me. Now gorillas in their own nature they're wildlife so they are they can be dangerous on their own so you don't just want to visit any gorilla you find but i also don't think you're just going to find a mountain gorilla anywhere because they're endangered so they're very very protected conservation efforts are through the roof so they are habituated gorillas and then they're gorillas that are not habituated the chances are it's very unlikely that you're going to meet unhabituated gorillas but that you're most probably going to meet habituated gorillas so habituated gorillas are gorillas that have been trained to withstand human presence without attacking them because they can attack you, but you're going to meet habituated ones. So those are trained to withstand your presence. Now the habituation process takes between 15 to 24 months and I know nothing about how they do it, but thank goodness it's, it's possible. Now, um, I forgot. okay. Yeah. I will talk about that later. You meet the habituated ones. Now let's get into the Bwindi Park in itself, where you, but which is what we're covering today. The park has groups of gorillas that have been habituated for tourism, and then it has a group that has been habituated for research. So I don't know about research because I never had an interest in carrying out research on mountain gorillas. I so, but I think if you wanted to do research, there's ways you could get to them, and you could be able to get to visit the habituated research mountain gorilla group, which I think would be interesting if you'd love to study that. I once watched a movie, I've forgotten the name of the movie, and she's one of those recognized um, scientists. We recognize her here in Uganda. There's even a, uh, I think there was a, a restaurant or something that was done at the Serena Hotel in honor of her I think her name was Dana. She was a scientist too, was working towards the conservation of the gorillas. Was she working towards the conservation of gorillas, or chimpanzees. I don't know, but she did a lot of work, um, working towards conserving gorillas in, it was in Uganda and Congo. But then she ended up dying, something like that. Oh, she was killed terribly. I, ooh, that was so sad. But it was in a movie. She was called Diane Fossey, I think. I think she was called Diane Fossey. And she was a conservator. Okay, I don't know how to say that word. But she worked a lot with the mountain gorillas. I think from 1966. And then she unfortunately lost her life in 1985. And it was terrible. But her work is still used today. She did a good job. Because back in the day, people were killing them. People were killing them. And, um... Let's not get into the sad bit. May household rest in peace. Now back on track. There are 51 gorilla families in Buindi. Now this information could have changed. So you just this is just to keep you informed. But if you're ever visiting, you can cross-check and you get the updated information because things change. Gorillas give birth, gorillas lose their lives, families get split up, families grow. So information always changes but there are 51 gorilla families that are in um wind impenetrable Park. yeah 21 of those families are habituated so you have that option and remember we have one habituated group for research so when you come to the park there are four sectors you can trick the gorillas in four sectors you have um buhoma you have ruhija you have rushaga And you have Nkuringo. Do not worry about the pronunciations. Because this belief, this should be my local... This is something I should know how to pronounce. But I do not grow up speaking my language. So I am also mispronouncing, which is wrong. I should know how to say these things. But there are four sectors. And we'll talk about the four sectors once in a while. So you master them. Buhoma, Ruhija, Rushaga, and Nkuringo. Now, gorillas live in families. Sometimes those families are are called troops. But I'm calling them a family. That's what I grew up knowing them as. They live in a family. Each family has a head. The head of a family is called a silverback. Now, the silverback is a male gorilla that is usually more than 12 years of age and has silver hair on its back. Apparently, it's stronger than... All the other gorillas and it's stronger than 20 adults combined and is able to carry about i think 1800 pounds of weight so they can be dangerous and even in fights they can fight and fight and fight and a gorilla could end up dying that's how strong and dangerous they can be they're also known to display signs of dominance signs of aggression you know that thing we'd see in tazan when he would be banging on his chest or like in the hall of fame when they said you could be King Kong banging on your chest. They do that thing. They slap trees. They're just the alphas. And you know that they're there and they're the heads of the family. Big tip, they have silverback on the silver hair on their back. So that's why they're called silverbacks. That's what I think. So and the good news is they can live to up to 40 years in the wilderness. So they last a good while with their families. So the silverback leads the family. He will pick out the place where the family should eat, where the family should sleep. He will defend the family. And like a lion, he has the right to feed fast because he's the head. When it comes to the younger male gorillas, they're known as black bags, Not bags, black backs, sorry. And they're usually between 8 to 12 years. They don't have silver hair on their back yet. So they're black backs, and they're also subordinate to the silverback. They'll also provide backup protection to the silverback in case there's ever need for defending the family. In case the silverback dies, then the family, which essentially will be the females, will have to look for a new family to join. And that's, a think, for protection to preserve the lineage. And it's just safer if you're in a family as opposed to living on your own. Now... A gorilla troop or a f- gorilla family, as some would prefer to call it, like myself, usually has one silverback, but at times it can have more than one. And when they become too many of them, that's when conflicts arise and then they split up and then a new family is formed. It's They usually have one silverback at a time, but sometimes they can have more. Then you have the adult females and then you have the females have their offspring. That's how a family would look like. And over time, this not over time, but the moment it's a silverback in a family, he has the mating rights over the, f- over the females in the family. Now, this is interesting because it has been noted that sometimes the females will fight for the male's attention. And in such moments, apparently, the males are able to come in and mediate. If there are many, if you have more than one silverback, they can intervene and mediate between the fights and perform their duties. Or sometimes the females could, you know, step it up a notch. Some females are quite flirtatious in my opinion. They pass their lips, They maintain eye contact. Some mothers even make the first move. Others slap the ground to get the male's attention. That's how they do it. And um, it's never too early to give birth. But uh, usually they give birth at 10 years of age. And then, uh, and so forth as they grow on. So, that's about it when it comes to gorilla family. I think you now have a pretty good idea of what they are like. But you probably get more information from a tracking guide, from a tour guide, from wherever you get to see the gorillas, whether from the Democratic Republic of Congo, from Rwanda, or from Uganda. Now, according to conservation rules, at least here in Uganda, but they are subject to change, and they're also different in the different East African states. Um. Eight visitors are probably allowed to trek a group, but it's subject to change. And then you're usually supposed to be 15 years of age and above to visit a habituated gorilla group, which makes sense. It's just safer for you, one. Two, trekking is not such an easy fit. It's actually recommended that you are a little bit more physically fit because gorillas love to live on elevated places they love you see that's why you hear you see them you hear about their location being in like the Virunga mountains you know you hear accommodation around those areas and you they give you options to go gorilla trekking that's where they like so you like you should be able to bear that and then three you check them for hours it's not like when you wake up and then you just go to the get they're there you put in some work and then you also spend like a limited amount of time with them it could be an hour so It makes sense why you wouldn't want to have a child there and why you would want to be fit. But you just can prepare. And fitness does not mean you have to be like a gymnast. No. There's just... You just be mentally ready for that. All right. Now, you've gotten to know that. And I had to say, yeah, you need a gorilla trekking permit to be able to see them. You don't just pounce on them. You need a permit. And you can be able to get the permit from wherever you're going to uh, organize your trip from. All right. Now, let me give you some gorilla family names and share with you some families. Okay. Like I said before, gorillas, they grow up. The silverbacks change. Leadership, some pass on. Some give birth more. And sometimes people listen to this podcast earlier than others and then later than others. So this information can change with time. So I'm just going to give you what is. And it could be it could have changed by the time you go to visit a gorilla family. So I'm going to share with you a few gorilla families. I'm not going to go too, too in depth with that because you could be able to do that when you get a mountain gorilla trekking experience. But let's start off with one. There is the Mubarak gorilla family, which is found in Buhoma. Remember, there are four sectors. Now, this one is a family of nine. It has one silverback. It is actually believed to be the oldest habituated group in Uganda, and it once had 18 members. Unfortunately, some of the gorillas were lost, lost their lives because of fights with other groups. Among, among, um, among those that lost their lives was Ruhondeza, who was a silverback then but later on a new silverback came into power and that silverback is known as kanyoni which i find quite interesting because kanyoni means bad in a local language so i found that to be interesting anyway then you have another group known as habinyanja uh, the habinyanja gorilla family this one is also in buhoma it has 17 members including a silverback so it's fairly big good one to trick if you wanted. All of them are good to trick. Now this family once had twenty five members in it, but then there were so many dominant members, so naturally conflicts so occurred and then the troop had to split. And the others that left the troop became the Rushegura family. So this Havinyanja has one silverback, it has one blackback, it has five adult females, it has one subadult, it has six infants, and it has three juveniles. Then the Rushegura family, which is also in Buhoma, has 17 members. Remember, it's split. We just talked about it. It has one silverback, it has four blackbacks, it has four adults, it has four infants, it has four juveniles as well. And it's... It's actually one of the families that has a shorter trek. It could take you only about five hours to trek this family. So that's a good deal. There is also the Katwe Gorilla family. It's also in Bohoma. It has seven members, including a silverback. There is the Muyambi Gorilla family. It's also in Bohoma. It has seven, seven members, and it is headed by a silverback that is known as Muyambi. You see Muyambi? I think he's Muyambi, yes. And Muyambi, actually, ooh, this one was rebellious. He split away from the Mubare family. And now he's thriving in his own family. Sometimes you just have to quit. <laughs> oh, I mean, it worked for him. There's also, Bu, I think it's Bitukura. Okay. Bitukura Gorilla Family. This one is in Ruhija, in the Rohija sector. Remember, there are four sectors. So, Bitukura, I hope I'm saying it right. It is a family of 13. There are four silverbacks. There are four adult females. There are three infants. And then there are two juveniles. It was once larger than this. It it was once, I believe, a family of 24. But because of conflict, some members chose to leave. There is also the Oruzogo gorilla family, which is also in Rohija. This one's fairly large and it's quite popular because the, the younger ones are playful so that makes for good observation when you go tricking it has 17 members it has two silverbacks it but it works perfectly for them it has two silverbacks it has two adult females it has two sub adults it has five females five infants and one juvenile then um, We talked about a research, uh, a habituated group for research. There's the Chaguliro Gorilla Family. It's also in Ruhija. Now, this one has 10 members. You have Ruhak Rukara, who is a silverback. And then there are three adult females. Then there are two blackbacks. There are two juveniles. And then there are two infants. Now, originally, this group was headed by Rukina, but when Rukina passed away, Mukiza, who was young and then and also inexperienced, took on leadership and then he was met with resistance. Later on, Rukira, who was original no Rukara, who was originally in the Pitukura family, he came in and took over leadership. Then the family was split into the Chaguliro A, which is under the leadership of Rukara, and Chaguliro B, which is under the leadership of Mukiza. So I won't get into all the other families because there are many of them. So there's the Mokiza gorilla family, there's the Nkuringo, I think gorilla family, which would most definitely, I believe, be in the Nkuringo gorilla, no, in the Nkuringo sector of the you know, of the area. There's a the Bushaho gorilla family, there's the Anshogi gorilla family, and there's so many others. But uh, one thing about making this episode is I feel embarrassed that I cannot pronounce some of these names because this is my local language. But let me just explain it. I am half Muganda, I am half Michigan. I speak Luganda fluently. I can read Luganda, I can speak Luganda. But when it comes to Western language, my Western language, I do not grow up speaking it. I did not grow up reading it, so it is a tag of war. However, I have something which I realized I learned on TikTok. It's called receptive bilingualism, I think. I can understand everything when they speak, but when I start to pronounce it, I sound fake. So I just try to stick away from that. So that's why I'm not going to go into the other gorilla families because I'm going to butcher their names. But you now have an idea of some of the families there. And I hope you go and check and see some of the ones. You check the ones with the young ones. They they usually are playful, so you have quite some entertainment there. Okay, now we are away (laughs) from trying to pronounce names. Let's get into the activities. That's so much of a relief for me. But I will work on learning the language. Actually, somebody even one time sent me, I think Arunyankole Ruchiga Dictionary, but that wasn't helpful at all because I do not speak runyangoli and I do not speak ruchiga. So why would you give me that? It's like if you're trying to learn French and somebody sends you a Spanish-French dictionary, like how am I going to start with that? But anyway, let's get into the activities. I will share with you a few. First things first, what, every, what I would assume everyone would want to do is go gorilla trekking because I'm thinking that's why you'd want to go there so essentially this is like a guided hike through the forest obviously the windy penetrable forest just for you to observe and at times interact with the mountain gorillas but that interaction bit is very very um, just highlighted because it depends on who, who, where you're going and who's taking you and who you're working with so and, like, I should it should remind you, people always say it a lot. You should be a little bit fit because the terrain is ragged. Do they say raggedy or ragged? I don't know. Uh, but it's steep. Gorillas love to live on elevated slopes. And you trek them for a while. Hours. It's not like you trek them for 10 minutes. There's a bit of hours to it. Then you spend an hour with them. And then you have to come back. So it's a bit of work so just do that but don't be scared if you know you can do it in your heart you'll be able to do it physically so first you get briefed by park rangers and safety guidelines you get information on the expect on on the gorilla group you're going to visit and you also be you talk a little bit more about your expectations i mean i don't think you should expect to go and hug a silverback But yeah, so you, you have those expectations sorted out. Now, depending on how many you are, you'll be divided into small groups. And then you'll be led by your guiders or trackers through the forest. Once usually, but once you locate a group, you spend a limited amount of time with it. And that's about usually an hour. You can even photograph them from a distance. Of course, you, your tracker or guide will guide you on that. And, uh. Yeah, then you'll be able to see the, the gorillas feeding, playing. That's why I said if you, I think it would be good if you went for a group with younger ones, many younger ones, so you see the kids playing and them just living life. Once you're done, you come back, but usually on your way back you take a different route in order for you to experience other parts of the forest, which I think is a good. It's a good thing, right? Another activity is bird watching. But this one you'll be accompanied by a bird guide who will locate and identify the various bird species for you to see now this is usually done early in the mornings because birds are usually most active in the mornings so you'll be able to go out and check tra- okay you don't check birds but you go out and locate and identify different birds because there are about 350 bird species for you to spot here yeah? Oh, there's some beautiful birds here. There's the African green broadbill. It's very cute. It's very green. It has a black beak that's so elegant. The beak is like very cute and then it has cute black eyes. But it's tiny but it's beautiful. There's a Shelley's crimson wing. There are different beautiful birds. If birds are your thing, this is a place to be. You also have opportunities to take photos of the colourful birds, you'll observe their behaviour and you'll hear them make their beautiful, beautiful sounds. So obviously your guide will share with you the details, will give you the information about the birds, including reasons as to why they behave the way they do. You'll also, you know, see the vegetation around you, which is quite breathtaking. Sometimes it's easy to take for granted green greenery around your vegetation around you but once you live without vegetation i still know why that why i just said that out loud but you realize it's so beautiful and it's so lovely i think if you live like in a very urban place and you don't have a lot of green once you see it and then you see the birds and, and the air is just you know fresher and chill it's just very beautiful so there's that you can also go on a batwa cultural experience now, I once did a podcast episode on the Batwa. Uh, it is actually on this channel, so you can go and check it out. I did an in-depth uh, episode covering them as people, their culture, their history, their norms, and what they're known for and everything. And I had a wonderful time doing it because the Batwa are uh, located where my tribe, my tribe originates from. So there is that so it's this in itself the cultural experience is an opportunity for you to learn and engage with the Batwa who are indigenous people so there is a welcome ceremony that obviously will include dancing singing and storytelling then the Batwa guides will take you through their villages or communities while they explain their way of life their customs and histories you may or may not visit their homes but You might. You might also get to visit their gathering spaces. You might see them carry out traditional activities such as fire making, hunting, and making crafts such as basket weaving, beadwork, and also making tools from natural materials. The guides may also share with you what they know about medicinal plants and survival because they're very dependent on those And if you get a chance to meet the elders, they'll tell you stories and share their connection to the forest because they believe in their connection to the forest, the windy, impenetrable forest in particular, because that's where they come from. Okay, then you can also go on a forest walk or a hike. I know people love doing this. So for this, you'd want to get a guide. I don't understand why you'd want to do it on your own, but a guide is great. They'll pick out the best trails for you depending on what exactly you want to do there, what level of fitness you're at. And they'll also share with you information on the flora and the fauna and the terrain of the park, uh, where you're going to go. And you also have, you know, the best views because they'll take you to the best spots with the best views of the area. You might also get to see monkeys and chimpanzees on your hike. Now, chimpanzees are not the same as mountain gorillas. You can also do uh, you can also go for Abu Homa community walk. Now, this one is a cultural experience and it will give you an opportunity to interact with the locals. This is somewhat similar to the Batwa cultural experience in terms of activities. So you'll get accompanied by a local guide as you explore the community. You will get to interact with the locals, you'll get to see cultural performances. You get to see craft demonstrations and you might even visit a local market and pick out a few souvenirs if you like. Then lastly for today, you could visit Lake Mutanda, which is great because it's a small freshwater lake that is close to both Bwindi and Magahinga. Remember, Magahinga is uh, also a mountain gorilla park found in Uganda. It has about just over 100 mountain gorillas as well. It also has cabbage-weighted gorillas that you could see. So, it's right there. You can visit the lake. You can go on a scenic boat ride. On the ride, you have views of the volcanic mountain peaks of the Virunga Mountains. You could go bird watching there. You could go on a nature walk with a guide. You could interact with local communities living around the lake. And on some occasions, you could go fishing. There's just so many beautiful things you could do there. And one thing you're going to have is a good relaxation time. It's a wonderful place to be. All right, I have talked for such a long time. Let's wrap up the podcast. But before we do that, let's talk about accommodation facilities. So there are several options to choose from, and I haven't exhausted all of them, but I'm going to share with you a few of them. And um, I'm going to give you price estimates. Please remember, these are price estimates. These are not the exact prices you find in these accommodations. They could be higher, they could be lower. They have nothing to do with me. I am just giving you an estimate for you to estimate. So first, I will give you one is the Buhoma Lodge. And because this one is located in the Buhoma sector of the park. And I chose to put that one in because I have been talking a lot about the Buhoma part of the park. Even the gorilla groups have given you to... The ones that have given you, shared with you, have been in the Buhoma sector and that sort of thing. So I thought, why not give you a lodge right there? So this one is located close to the entrance of the park, which means it's a good choice. Plus, it has lovely views of the park. In itself and of the forest it's also eco-friendly its prices vary depending on season but they typically range from 250 dollars to 500 dollars per night you have mahogany springs lodge which is also in the Bohoma sector it is surrounded by beautiful gardens it has awesome views of the virunga volcanoes there's actually pretty lovely volcanoes to look at the fortress could actually make for great desktop wallpapers so in addition to that the lodge in itself is involved with the local community which i found quite endearing its prices range from 250 dollars to 400 dollars per night you have the gorilla forest camp as well which is also found in the Bohoma sector it's a high-end luxury accommodation that offers personalized services the best part about it is it's within the park its prices range from $600 to $1,000 per night. There's a Silverback Lodge. Woo, I like the name because we just talked about silverbacks. It's also in Bohoma. It's right, okay, it's not right, but it is near the entrance of the park. And it provides you with uh, cultural experiences with the local community. And it's pretty good. Its prices range from $250 to $400 per night. There is also the Clouds Mountain Gorilla Lodge. It has panoramic views of both the Windy Forest and the Virunga Volcanoes. It's a high-end luxurious lodge with large cottages. And it is committed to conservation and it also participates in community development initiatives. So, it has a lot going for it. Its prices range from $600 to $1,000 per night. There is the Rushaga Gorilla Camp this one is found in the Rushaga sector. It's also close to the Rushaga gorilla trekking area. So if we mention any Rushaga gorilla families, this would be a good place to stay at, don't you think? Um, And it's also a cottage type of accommodation. Its prices range from $200 to $400 per night. Then you have the Nkuringo, hmm? Bwindi Gorilla Lodge. This one, like the name suggests, is found is that is found in the Nkuringo sector of the park. Um, it has beautiful views of the Virunga volcanoes, which is a good thing to have. And it also offers cultural experiences and is involved with the local community. Its prices range from $250 to $500 per night. Then, last but not least, we have the Buindi Lodge. This is in Buhoma. It's eco-friendly, it's also luxurious, it has views of the forest, and it ranges from $600 to $1,000 per night. Then you have the Ichumbi Gorilla Lodge, it has stunning gardens, it is involved with the community, prices range from $200 to $400 a night. And then lastly we have Engagi Lodge, which is walking towards sustainability, and it also has stunning views of the forest, its prices range from $250 to four hundred and fifty dollars per night now getting there obviously you'd have to be in Uganda so welcome to Uganda so but um, usually when you come to Uganda international guests I don't know tourists uh, you'd come through Entebbe so but the park in itself is found in Bohoma at Bohoma in Bohoma so if you're coming in from Kampala if you're using road there's several routes you could take but I couldn't mention all the road names because he, your driver is probably going to even change them anyway. But the journey could be long. I would just tell you that. That would be, could be seven to nine hours. That's a really long one. But it's also worthwhile if you ever just want to stare out the window or have a road trip in Uganda. And there you go. Good for you. If you want to fly, you can also fly from Entebbe to to um, to the southwest that's about an hour and 10 minutes so you'd have to come in and you could charter a flight I think that's what it's called you'd be able to charter a flight and you'd be able to get there safe and sound and I think that brings me to the end of this podcast episode I'm so happy to have done this I was really excited to do this I wasn't feeling the best but I am so glad that I was able to do this and um yes i hope this makes you want to visit africa and i hope this makes you want to talk about africa more and to explore our lovely continent thank you so much for listening in now in case you'd like to get in touch please don't hesitate you can contact me um on my website which is www.zhumra.com zhumra is spelled as z w e h u m u r a dot com on Twitter, my handle is Humura Ruth. That is H U M U R A, Ruth is R U T H. Instagram, it's the same thing. Humura underscore Ruth. LinkedIn, my handle is Z Humura Ruth. Alright, thank you for listening in. I will see you next time.